Welcome to the Spirit of Prophecy Church Bible Study. I'm going to go live about one minute early because I just saw something I thought that you would like to see. So see if I can jump over here and show you something. Okay, let's see. Share screen. See if I can do this right. Entire screen. But I got to do this one. Let me see if I do it right here. This is a little complicated. Hmm. Maybe I can't do it. Okay, I need to click here. No, here. Tire screen window. Okay, let's try window. Ah, okay. There, I got it. I got it. Okay, so <clears throat> this is the front page of Natural News. And right here it has me. I was uh, interviewed yesterday, Thursday, by uh, Mike Adams. It says, Stan Johnson of Prophecy Club reveals terrifying prophetic warnings of suitcase nukes. So, I think that's real good. Now, uh, hopefully a lot of people start hearing that. Because I got 34 different prophecies. The Bible says... In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a thing be established. I've got like, well, I mean, I can pull that up. There's no need. You probably all heard it, but 34. I mean, that that's that's unheard of. We, we've never had that much confirmation on anything coming. Like 14 say food shortage is coming. 12 say a tsunami earthquake is coming. Uh, I've only got six that says the Russians are going to attack America, but I've got 34 that says suitcase nukes are going to hit America. So that's a really big thing. Also, before I get started, I want to say I see all the folks now joining us and just want to say thank you for joining us. And I want to say hello back to Arkansas and Chicago. And there's another one from Oregon, Missouri, Paducah, Kentucky, and of course, Otha May Brand. By the way, Otha, thank you for. Uh, the the uh, emails you send me, I cannot tell you how many times your emails have wound up in a program. So again, all of you, thank you for your emails. And before we get started and pray, I also want to say thank you for coming on to the Bible study. And the reason I do the Bible study, I've thought about this a lot. And the reason I do it is primarily because I need it. Because the old brain has... A hole in the bottom of the bucket and it leaks out and so if we don't constantly keep putting it in then it leaks out and so tonight we're going to start we're going to continue with the book of isaiah and i prayed about it and uh, i know that this is a, a terrifying book but sometimes terrifying things can make us clean up our life and i think that's true of the book of isaiah before I memorized the book of Revelation, Isaiah was my favorite book to read. Now, let me also say, <clears throat> the way God does this is he writes all kinds of things into his book. And there's probably 10,000 different Bible studies that could be studied upon in the Bible. But he puts them understanding that he is timeless. To him, 
he's outside of time. He's eternal. So the things he says may have been appropriate speaking to 6,000 years ago or 4,000 years ago or 2,000 years ago or last week, or it may be talking about tomorrow. And he doesn't tell us when it's talking about. He also doesn't tell us when he skips from talking about the past to the future. I've seen cases where between scriptures, it jumps 2,500 years between this scripture and that scripture. And I say that because that's important to remember as we go about studying the book of Isaiah tonight. Okay, I see some more people coming online now. Uh, Michigan, hello, Michigan, Oregon, Cincinnati, uh, Texas, Texas, where's that? California, uh, thank you, glory to him. It, 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 it's a privilege. You guys are, you know, remember Jesus was in a room and they came and knocked on the door and said, your family wants to see your mom and your brother standing outside, wants to see it. And he turned and he said, this is my family. In other words, our family is not necessarily our blood. Yes, it is. But our spiritual family is perhaps even more important. The Bible says that there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. That's true. I mean, I haven't talked to my younger brother in probably a year. I haven't talked to my older brother for probably six months. Talked to my sister September 23rd to wish her a happy birthday. Um, but my spiritual family is the one that I'm really, really close to. Okay, so anyway, <clears throat> I also want to say that I think it's very important to read and study the Bible. Even though it may not be speaking to us today, it may not be telling us things that are important for us to know today. Sometimes by just putting it on the shelf and then down the road, something in life or something we read in the Bible, all of a sudden, because we had that bit of information that at the time didn't seem like it was real important, now all of a sudden it's really important and it helps us to understand something. And that's really true of the book of Isaiah because it's all over the place. It's talking about a lot of different things. And when you have the understanding of Isaiah, you also have the understanding of a whole lot of other things in the Bible. I say that because we're going to be covering some things tonight that aren't necessarily talking directly to us today, but it's important to have it. Okay, so let's get started. <clears throat> As we always have to do before we read God's Word, it is eternal. And I do not believe it can be understood by just reading ink on paper. We have got to ask the Holy Spirit to come in and help us to understand it. So, Lord, first of all, we say, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee when thy judgments are made manifest. And tonight we say, Worthy is the Lamb to take the book and to open the seals thereof. Because you were slain, redeemed us to God by thy blood, out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And Lord, we know that wisdom and might are yours. You change the times and seasons. You removeth kings and setteth up kings. 
You giveth wisdom to the wise, and knowledge to them that know understanding. You revealeth the deep and secret things. You knoweth what is of the darkness, and the light dwelleth with you. And Lord, we ask you to give us wisdom and knowledge. Show us the deep and secret things within your word. Help us to understand what you were saying when you wrote this, what it means in our lives, and also into the future. Help us to understand. Help us to understand your word. Help us to walk in your word and to get closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So now we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 4. Ah, wrong button. And I'm going to close that. I'm going to open this right there and boom. Okay, so we want this one. <clears throat> so we're going to start Isaiah chapter 4. And in that day, seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own bread and wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by thy name to take away our approach, our reproach. In that day shall the branch of the Lord, what is the branch of the Lord? Uh, that would be Jesus. In that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and comely for them that are escaped of Israel. See, we just said a whole lot of stuff right there. In, in verse 2, it's talking about in the millennium. In other words, when Jesus has been glorified, when the earth is filled with fruit and is excellent to those that have escaped of Israel. In other words, escaped. It doesn't mean that they escaped from Israel. It means those in Israel that escaped the burning. Now, you remember when Jesus returns, it the sun has been out for three days, and it does not ever relight because Jesus when he returns, will be the light of the world. And when he returns, he dissolves the sun, the moon, the stars, everything. It is just the earth. Then the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven. And on the earth, he purges it with the morning star. That's when he brandishes his sword with the breath of his nostrils. He blows his glory that he just got four months earlier at the marriage supper of the Lamb. He blows his glory down, goes to the center of the earth, sets the foundations of the mountains on fire. He cleanses the earth of all sin. Meaning, if you escape that burning, this is who it's talking about. So in that day shall the branch of the Lord, i.e. Jesus, be beautiful and glorious. Now, that word glorious is important. It means that he is now King of kings and Lord of lords. And he is in his full glory, which he gets at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And the fruit, remember the scripture that says, and he will be given dominion, glory, and a kingdom. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Well, that glory is when the Father anoints him King of kings and Lord of lords. And that's when he's given dominion, glory, and a kingdom at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Glorious and the fruit of the earth should be excellent and comely for those that are escaped of Israel. In other words, escape the burning of Israel. And it shall come to pass that he that is left in Zion and he that remains in Jerusalem shall be called holy, even every one that is written among the living in Jerusalem. Why? Because he's purged the earth of all sin at that point. No one is with sin on them is on the earth. And when the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion, 
and shall have purged the blood of Jerusalem from the midst thereof by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning. What? Well, the judgment is the judgment of trumpets that it's talking about here specifically. And the spirit of burning, that would be the morning star when he goes. And the Lord will create upon every dwelling place a, of Mount Zion and her assemblies a cloud and smoke by day and the shining of flame of fire by night. For upon all glory shall be a defense. Now, I think that all of a sudden, <laughs> there's a reason I talked about that before we got started. All of a sudden, we jump back to the days of Moses. So in those days, that's what he did. I do not think that's talking about the millennium. And there shall be a tabernacle for a shadow in the daytime. Why? Because in him, in the new Jerusalem, in the in eternity, there is no darkness. For in him, there is no darkness, the Bible says. So that means, in, of course, and the Bible says, uh, see, has it worded, uh, and there shall neither sun light on them nor any heat for the land which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and lead them in living fountains of water and God shall wipe away all tears of their tears of their eyes. Meaning, in eternity, there is no shadow, there is no heat, there is no burning, because it's a perfect eternal paradise that we live in for all eternity. He saves the best wine for last, and there shall be a tabernacle for a shadow. That's not talking about eternity. It's not talking about in the millennium. Shadow in the daytime from the heat and from a place of refuge and for a, co a covert, covert from storm and from rain. Now will I sing unto my well-beloved a song of my beloved, touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in the very fruitful hill. Okay, what hill is he talking about? It, hang on. Matter of fact, let me keep reading. I'll, I'll come back. And he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it in the choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it and also made a wine press therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes and it brought forth wild grapes. So here he's talking about Jerusalem. He's talking about Israel and, of course, Jerusalem too, that he set up a wine press. Remember, this is part of the parable that Jesus said that he created a wine press and he built a tower and he planted a vineyard and then he went off for, it doesn't say, but 2,000 years. That's what it's talking about. In other words, he's talking about how he created Israel and he's about to talk about how they fell away. But at the end of this, he's about to say, but he cleans them up. And now, O, o inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, Judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. Now, vineyard means, see, I think it was not a, an apple that Adam and Eve ate. I think it was a grape. If you do some research, I think you'll find apple in the King James only eight times. But grape or wine or vineyard is like 255 times, as I recall. Lots. And what was it that got Noah in trouble? Drinking wine. What was it that got a lot of people in trouble? It was drinking wine. So wine and grapes is probably, in my opinion, based upon my studies, is a, is a representative of sin. What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked, it should bring forth grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes, meaning they should have brought forth a good fruit, but Israel didn't. And now go to. 
I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up, and break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down. And I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned nor digged, but there shall come up briars and thorns, and I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. So we're talking about Israel was started, but they fell away from the Lord. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Israel his pleasant plant. And he looked for judgment, meaning righteousness, but behold oppression for righteousness, but behold a cry. Now, he goes on to say, woe to the wicked. So this is a warning, not only to Israel, but also to all nations. Don't start sinning. <clears throat> woe to them that join house to house that lay field to field till there be no place, that they may be placed alone in the midst of the earth. In mine ears, saith the Lord of hosts, of a truth many houses shall be desolate, even great and fair without inhabitant. Hang on, I'm getting a text here, I think, from my son. Okay, no, no, all right. Let me read that again. In mine ears, saith the Lord of hosts, of a truth many houses shall be desolate, even great and fair without inhabitant. So God judged Israel as he judged them many times. Yea, ten acres of vineyard shall yield one bath. And the seed of the omer shall yield an ephah. In other words, not much comes out of the things they plant. Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning, that they may follow strong drink. Talking about wine, or specifically, when he talks about strong drink, a lot of times it's not just wine, it's all of the other hard liquors. Because... I mean, when he's talking about wine, he'll talk about wine. But when he's talking about strong drink, he's talking about the other things that men have concocted that are not just wine. Twelve. And the harp and the vial, the tabret and pipe and wine are in their feast, and they regard not the work of the Lord, neither consider, consider the operation of his hands. Therefore, my people are gone into captivity. Okay, so he's saying, because you did all this, because you sin, you go into captivity. Now, indirectly, what does that mean for America? It means the same thing. We're going into captivity. Because they have no knowledge, he's not talking about book knowledge, he's not talking about college, he's talking about knowledge of the Lord. Because they have no knowledge and their honorable men are famished, honorable men, that means people that are supposed to be serving the Lord, are famished, that means they don't know the Lord, and their multitude dried up, with thirst. Therefore, hell hath enlarged herself and opened her, house, her mouth without measure. Now, I have a theory on that. I, I suspect when we see volcanoes, that is hell in that is hell enlarging itself. Take my Apple Watch off, decided it's going to talk. It's still talking. All right. Well, I'm still not well, I'm sure you can go in the drawer. I'm sure you can talk to yourself in the drawer, not interrupt our Bible study. <clears throat> Therefore, hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure. So it may be that these volcanoes are actually hell enlarging herself. In other words, need more room for more souls going there. I don't know how it all works. It just a thought that occurs to me. And open her mouth without measure, and her glory, and her multitude, and her pomp. And he that rejoiceth shall descend into it. 
and the mean man shall be brought down, and the mighty man shall be humbled, and the eyes of the lofty shall be humbled. But the Lord of hosts shall be exalted in judgment, and God that is holy shall be sanctified in righteousness. Then shall the lambs feed after their manner, and the waste places of the fat ones shall be shall strangers eat. Woe to them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity, and sin, as it were, with a cart rope, that say, Let him make speed, and hasten his work, that we may see it. And let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw nigh and come, that we may know it. Woe to them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. That's a real famous verse because, you know, we see that. I mean, we hear people say, oh, yeah, that's bad. That's that's bad. And they're talking about it's good. And that's straight out of Scripture. Woe to them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. And we start getting lifted up, and there's all kinds of problems come from it. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine, and men of strength to mingle strong drink. Okay, so here's one of the Scriptures. If God is trying to say wine... He says wine. But if he's trying to talk about other things, you know, like, uh, I don't know what, what, uh, what, whiskey and stuff like that, he calls that strong drink. So he says, whoa. Now, let me point out, does the Bible say we are not to drink alcohol? Well, I mean, Jesus drank wine. Okay, so that's alcohol. But he's, in in my opinion, I think that's the, the reason they call it spirits. And you can pick up a spirit by drinking it. Uh, technically, even one little sip can get you in trouble. It's better not to do it. Um, I never started smoking cigarettes. I never started uh, doing marijuana. Uh, I, I drank, but I never drank where, where I never drank where it got its hooks in me. But I could feel the hooks. I could feel it was trying to get hooks in me. Uh, my dad, I think I saw him drink one or maybe two drinks, two beers in, in his entire life. Uh, but my mom's brother, I understand, was a drunk. Uh, my younger brother was at one time was a drunk. And also he was very, very big into marijuana. And then he decided to turn his life over to the Lord, and now he pastors the church. So I don't think I could say you cannot drink and be a Christian. I don't think I can say that. But I will say it's a whole lot better if you don't. <laughs> uh, it's just like smoking. You, you, can, you can go to heaven and smoke. But even Dimitri said if men were supposed to smoke, they'd have a chimney on their head. So it's not a good idea. Woe to them that are mighty. Notice it says mighty to drink wine. He didn't say drink wine at all. And men of strength strength to mingle strong drink. But there's a hook in it. There's a spirit in it. And you can get a spirit. And it's very, very dangerous. And it's a whole lot better if you don't. Which justify the wicked for reward. Don't we see that right now in the White House? justify the wicked for reward, in other words, bribery, and take away the righteousness of the righteousness righteous from him. Meaning, he's a good person, she's a good person, 
but the way the evil puts it that makes them look bad. Well, we've seen that. Therefore, as the fire, now he's talking about here at the morning star, when he returns on a white, store, white horse, and remember it says, uh, let's see, how's it worded? Um, do I want to quote all that? No, I just want to quote then. Okay, so, uh, and the remnant was slain by the sword of him that sat on the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. That's Armageddon. Now let's jump on. Therefore, as the fire, fire devoureth the stubble, what's the stubble? That's the wood, hay, and the stubble. That's all of the sinners. So when Jesus returns and blows his glory down on the earth, he cleanses it of all sin. As I read last week, I believe it was, they fall to the ground as a standard bearer fainteth. They literally drop like a wet noodle to a pile of ashes and bones. How do you know it's bones? Because in Ezekiel 39, it says they, they hire people of continual employment to go out. Wherever he sees a bone, they are to put a sign by it, and they send out barriers to bury the bones. Uh, how do you know it's ashes? Well, there's another scripture that says, whosoever this stone falls on, he will grind him to powder. And the word there is, is talking about ash. But whosoever falls on the stone will be broken. Meaning, when we accept Jesus, we are broken. Broken, and then we were made and created a new heaven, or excuse me, a, a, a new man. That's not male, a new man in Christ. But whosoever he falls on is ground to powder or to ash. Therefore, as the fire devoureth the stubble, and the flame consumeth the chaff, that's what he's talking about, the day of the Lord, so their root shall be rottenness, and their blossom shall go up as the dust, because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore is the anger of the Lord kindled against him, against his people. And he hath stretched forth his hand against them and hath smitten them, and the hills did tremble. Well, we know that because the earth turns upside down and scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof. Every mountain falls, every valley is filled in, the rough places are made smooth, the crooked places are made straight. That's what he's talking about. So this is talking about the day of the Lord. Therefore, the anger of the Lord is kindled against them. He has stretched forth his hand against them and has smitten them, and the hills did tremble, and their carcasses are, were torn in the midst of the street. For all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. And he will lift up an ensign to the nations from far, and he will sit, hiss unto them from the end of the earth, and behold, they shall come with speed swiftly. None shall be weary nor stumble among them, None shall slumber or sleep, neither shall the girdle of their loins be loosened, nor the latchet of their shoes be broken, whose arrows are sharp, and all their bows bent, their horses' hoofs shall be counted like flint, and their wheels like whirlwind. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Israel. This is when they beat their um, their their pruning hooks into swords. And Joel 2 says that one will kill a thousand and they have great strength. All of that's a Joel 2. Their roaring shall be like a lion. They shall roar like young lions. Yea, they shall roar and lay hold of the prey and shall carry it away safe and none shall deliver it. 
And in that day they shall roar against them like the roaring of the sea. And if one look unto the land, behold darkness and sorrow, and the light is darkened in the heavens thereof because the sun's out. So this is talking about the day of the Lord, the day of Armageddon. Now, chapter 6. We just blew through two chapters of Isaiah. That's pretty fast. In the year that King Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. With twain he did fly. And one cried unto another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Remember the uh, the four beasts say, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who is and was and who is to come. And they say that for all eternity. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who is and was and who is to come. And it may be that they're saying the same thing is just interpreted a little bit different. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So because Isaiah saw all of this, he felt very unclean. I know a lot of people say, oh, I wish Jesus would come into our church and our praise and worship service. No, if Jesus, if Jesus walked into our praise and worship service, probably no one would be able to get their face off of the floor for repenting for all of our sins compared to being in the presence of such holiness. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? This is another famous verse. Whom shall I send? And who will go with us? For then said I, here am I, send me. And may we all be saying that. As See, I really believe that we Christians really need to be prepared for what's coming. I don't think our objective should, let, let's put, I don't think our first objective should be to try to live until Jesus returns. That wouldn't be bad. But I think our first objective should be serving the Lord. And when people start knocking on your door because you do have electricity when everyone else doesn't, or you do have clean water when no one else does, you do have food when no, no one else does, it's going to be a very good opportunity for you to hold a Bible study and lead those people to the Lord because... <laughs> They want the food, they want the water, they want uh, a place that has electricity. They, they, so, so consequently, they're not going to walk out and they're probably going to listen to Jesus or they're probably going to listen to the Bible study and they're probably going to accept Jesus as a result. At least that's my thought on it. He said, go, verse 9, tell this people, hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. You see, Jesus said the same thing. When he was talking to the people, in the, he was talking to him in parables. And one of the disciples said, why do you always talk to him in parables? He said, of a truth. Isaiah does speak to you. And he's quoted this verse. He said, you hear, but you don't understand. You see, but you don't, you don't perceive. Make the heart of these people fat. 
Make their ears heavy and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. And Jesus quoted that because he didn't want to save them, because their hearts were not right. You see, we would like to think that Jesus will call all of us to be saved. But a lot of times it's because we stepped out first, trying to get closer to Jesus, that he gives us that next blessing or that next level. I think in my own life, because I was teaching a Bible study, and in the Bible study, or actually is a prophecy class, and in that I told them that I think Revelation 18 is talking about America. Shortly after that, that was when one of the members come up and handed me a tape and said, I think you'll be interested in this. And it was a, an audio tape of Dimitri Dudeman's testimony. I think it was because I saw that America is spoken of in the book, or uh, the Bible, and specifically Revelation 18, that he showed me more. To whom much is given, give him the more. To the one, like the talents, the one that had only one take from the one and give to the one that has ten. So a lot of times we get more because we're seeking the Lord. So what you're doing here for this Bible study tonight, even though it may not necessarily be speaking in your life today, believe me, big things are happening in the spirit because you're coming to the Bible study. A lot, not a lot of people will come to the Bible study. They simply won't come. I mean, I beg my congregation all the time, come to the Bible study, come to the Bible. I can't get them. Okay. It was so hard to get even two or three people out of our congregation of 30 or 40 people to come to a Bible study. Now we have, let's see, 88 online on one place, 24 online in the other place. I, I don't know what all the numbers are, but yeah, there's probably 150 people online right now. And I did not check the numbers, but typically we have around 14, 1500 views per week. That's good. That's good to be part of the Bible study because it does things for you that you do not understand. Let's go on. Verse 11. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities be wasted without inhabitant and the houses without man and the land be utterly desolate. And of course, Israel reached that point. And the Lord have removed me in far away, and there will be a, a great forsaking in the midst of the land. But yet in it shall be a tent, and it shall return and shall be eaten as a teal tree and as an oak whose substance is in them. When they cast their leaves, so the holy seed shall be a substance thereof. Here we are, chapter 7 already. And it came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Isaiah, king of Judah, and risen the king of Syria. And Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, went up toward Jerusalem to war against it, but could not prevail against it. And was told the house of David, saying, Syria is confederate, or cooperating with, Syria is confederate with Ephraim. And his heart was moved in the heart of his people as the trees of the wood were are moved with the wind. And said the Lord to Isaiah, Go forth now to meet Ahaz, thou, and Shurajashub, thy son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool in the highway of the fuller's field, and say unto him, Take heed, and be quiet, fear not, neither be faint-hearted, for the two tails of these smoking firebrands, for the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria, and of the summer Remaliah, 
Because Syria, Ephraim, and the son of Remaliah have taken counsel against thee, saying, Let us go up against Judah and vex it. Let us make a breach thereon for us, and set a king in the midst of it, even the son of Tibeel. Thus saith the Lord God, It shall not stand, neither shall it come to pass. Hang on, stay with me. Because a lot of times what he says to Israel is speaking to either our nation or perhaps our family or perhaps if even us specifically. For the head of Syria is Damascus and the head of Damascus is Rezim. And within three score and five years shall Ephraim be broken, that it be not a people. And the head of Ephraim was Samaria and the head of Samaria was Remaliah's son. If you, believe, if you will not believe, surely shall not be established. Moreover, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height thereof. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. And he said, Hear ye now, O house of David. It is a small thing for you to weary men, but will ye weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. What's that talking about? We all recognize those verses. Let me read that again. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. See, the Jews are always seeking signs. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son that would be Mary, and the son would be Jesus, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Butter and honey shall he eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. Before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land that thou abhorrest shall be forsaken of both her kings. And the Lord shall bring thee and upon thy people and upon thy father's house days that have not come. From the day of Ephraim departed from Judah, even the king of Assyria. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall hiss for the fly that is in the uttermost parts of the rivers of Egypt, and for the bee that is in the land of Assyria. And they shall come and rest all of them upon the desolate valleys and on the holes of the rocks and upon the thorns and all the bushes. Now I know what you're saying. Stan, can you explain that? Sometimes we just read on. <laughs> sometimes it explains itself later, sometimes it doesn't. In that same day shall the Lord shave with a razor that is hired, Namely, by them beyond the river, by the king of Assyria, the head and the hair of the feet, and it shall also consume the beard. And it shall come to pass in that day that a man shall nourish a young cow and two sheep. And it shall come to pass in the abundance of milk that they shall give, he shall eat butter, for butter and honey shall everyone eat that is left in the land. And it shall come to pass in that day that every place shall be, where there be a thousand vines and a thousand silverlings, it shall even be for briars and thorns. In other words, bad times are coming. With arrows, with bows, shall men come thither, because all the land shall become briars and thorns. And on all hills shall be digged upon with mattock. There shall not come thither the, the fear of briars and thorns, but it shall be for the sending forth of oxen and for the trading of the lesser cattle. Chapter 8. <clears throat> Moreover, the Lord said unto me, Take thee a great roll and ride in it, a man's pen concerning Meir Shalahashbaz. I had to practice that a few times to get that one down. 
And it took me in my faithfulness witness to record Uriah the priest and Zechariah the son of Jeberkiah. And I went unto the prophetess, and she conceived and bare a son. Then said the Lord unto me, Call his name Merashalahashbaz. For before the child shall have knowledge to cry, My father and my mother, the riches of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria, shall be taken away from before the king of Assyria. So this is bringing judgment on Assyria and Damascus. The Lord spake unto me also again, saying, Forasmuch as this people refuseth the waters of Shiloh, that go softly and rejoice in resin and Remali's son. I know you're thinking, well, wait a minute, this, this is the past. This is a long time in the, in, the, in the past. Stick with it. But a lot of times, what we read now helps us to understand something else. It was put in there for a reason. Doesn't always speak to us immediately, but we better, better learn it. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord bringeth upon them the waters of the river, strong and many, even the king of Assyria. And all his glory, and he should come up over all his channels and go over all the banks. In other words, a big flood. He shall pass through Judah, and he shall overthrow and go over, and he shall reach even to the neck. And the stretching out of his wings shall he feel breath of the fill the breath of the land. O Emmanuel, associate yourselves, O ye people, and should be broken in pieces and give ear, all ye of far countries, gird yourselves. And you should be broken in pieces, gird yourselves, and ye shall be broken in pieces. Take counsel together and shall come to naught. Speak the word and it shall not stand, for God is with us. Okay, we're in verse in chapter 8. There's about to be a real important chapter here. Stay with me. For the Lord spake thus to me with a strong hand and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people, saying, Say ye not a confederacy to all them to whom this people shall say a confederacy. Neither fear ye their fear, nor be afraid. Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself, and let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. And he shall be for a sanctuary, but for a stone of stumbling, and for a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, and for a gin, and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Now, he just said something real important. If you didn't read that other stuff that might not have been really important, then you would have caught this that was really important. Let me read that again. For he should be a sanctuary for a stone of stumbling and for a rock of offense. Who's he talking about? Talking about Jesus. Jesus will be a sanctuary. He will also be a stone of stumbling and for a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel and for a gin and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. See, when... All of the world gets angry at Israel. And right now, a whole bunch of them are getting angry at Israel. A whole bunch of them, even in our nation, are getting angry at Israel. And as I've told you in, in, the, in the program, I believe it's uh, Genesis chapter 12 says, and I will bless them that bless you, and I will curse them that curse you. So as I've told all my congregation and my family, you never, ever go against the Jews. Even what they're wrong, stand with them. Because I will bless them to bless you, and I will curse them to curse you. So we always have to go with the Jews. Now, let me, let me also qualify that. About 2,500 years ago, there was a group of Khazarians, or Kazakhs, out of primarily what is known today, Ukraine and Kazakhstan, that were so evil that the nations around them 
went to them and said, you have to choose a God. You can't continue to just be so evil. You have to choose a God. Choose either Islam or Judaism or hmm, what was the third one? I forget. It wasn't Christianity. And so they chose Judaism. And then they decided that they were going to be Jews, act like Jews. And so they went to the Jews and they said, can we intermarry? And the Jews said, absolutely not. No, we're forbidden to do that. Okay, You go back into the Old Testament, there's many verses where it says that they were to keep themselves clean. And so what a lot of these Kazakhs or these Khazarians, today we know them as the molten calf worshipers, many of them changed their name. Many of them changed their name several times. And they started calling themselves Jews. And yes, over the many years, thousands of years, some of them did intermarry. Now, here's the problem. They call themselves Jews. They have Jewish names. They act like a Jew. They walk like a Jew. They talk like a Jew. They quack like a Jew, as you might have, but they're not Jewish. They are not of the bloodline of Abraham or Israel or Isaac. They are not of that bloodline. And instead, they are the synagogue of Satan. They are Jews that say them, Revelation says, there are Jews that say they are Jews. They are not, but they do lie. But they are the synagogue of Satan. So the problem is, now, who are we talking about? Because there's some good sons of Abraham. And then among them, that look and act and walk and talk and quack and everything else like a Jew, but they're not. So a lot of times, the extremely wealthy people on the planet are not Jews. They're the Kazakhs. They're the Khazarian Mafia. They are the elite, the deep state, the Molochs. They are the those that worship the molten calf. And generally you can tell it because they're evil. Not always. It's the reason I say generally. Generally you can tell because they have lots and lots of money, but that's not true always either. And when I get to Israel, frankly, I don't know outside of the Lord just guiding me and directing me who's the good and who's the bad. I don't know. I mean, outside of, and who knows, maybe there's some that even now have the bloodline of Abraham that are still bad. Okay. So, I mean, it gets, it gets to be a sticky wicket, but God knows. In the last verse in chapter Ezekiel 39, the very last verse says, and I will leave none of them there. So every Jew, every bloodline Jew will return back to Israel. And that's part of when he, the last three days, he supernaturally washes them clean. And there is no sin in Israel at all. And that's the reason Jesus returns and wipes out all of the people attacking them. Okay, so let me go back, read this again. <clears throat> Okay, I'll start, at ver I'll start at verse 15. And many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and taken. Bind up the testimony. Seal the law among the disciples. I will wait upon the Lord. That hideth his faith from the house of Jacob, and I will look for him. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me are for signs and for wonders in Israel, from the Lord of hosts which dwelleth in Mount Zion. And when they shall say unto you, Seek unto them that have familiar spirits, and unto wizards that peep, 
and that mutter? Should not a people seek unto their, law, their God for the living to the dead? To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to his word, it is because there is no light in them. And they shall pass through it, hardly bestead and hungry. And it shall come to pass that when they shall be hungry, they shall fret themselves and curse their king and their God and look upward. And they shall look unto the earth and behold trouble and darkness diminish of anguish. And they shall be driven to darkness. Now, all of this is written so that at the right time, God can speak to the hearts of the people and say, go to this verse. This is the message for you. Now, it may not be a message for us today. But let's go on because we're about to get to a, a chapter that's really important. Chapter 9. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as what's it in her vexation. When at first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously, affect her by the way, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan in Galilee of the nations. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land, the shadow of death upon them hath the light shined. Thou hast multiplied the nation and not increased the joy, the joy before thee according to the joy in harvest, and as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. But thou hast broken the yoke of the burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise, and garments rolled in blood, but this shall be the burning and the fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born. Now you recognize that, okay? So within these scriptures, there's prophecies. For unto us a child is born. So this is talking about the birth of Jesus. And to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So if we had skipped the other part that might not have made a whole lot of sense to us, we'd have been missing a whole lot of important information. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment of the justice from henceforth, even forever. Zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The Lord sent a word to Jacob and it hath lightened upon Israel. And all the people shall know, even Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria, that say in the pride and stoutness of heart, the bricks are fallen, but we will build with hewn stones. The sycamores are cut down, but we will change them into cedars. Now, there are some people that have written books that said that particular verse, chapter 10, is talking about 9-11. And it's talking about, yes, it was talking to Israel, but it's also speaking to America. And they go through and they show that when 9-11 fell, when the, the, the towers fell, there was also a sycamore that was cut down and shows some amazing parallels. And a lot of folks think that this is talking about 9-11 and it was a an omen, a warning from God that we need to clean up. And of course, we certainly need to clean up. Anyway, it goes on. Therefore, the Lord shall set upon the adversaries arisen against him and join these enemies together, the Syrians before and the Philistines behind, and they shall devour Israel with open mouth. For all this his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. For the people turneth not unto him. That's true of America today. 
For the people turneth not unto him that smiteth them, neither do they seek the Lord of hosts. See, the way it's supposed to work is that when God hits us personally, or a family, or a business, or as a nation, we're supposed to realize, oh, that was the hand of the Lord. You know, we, we need to return. I remember in my life, one night God got a hold of me and he slapped me real hard. And after that, I, I remember walking away from it saying, okay, okay, I got the message. I'm ready to clean up my life and return to you. But unfortunately, a lot of people only get angry and they just shake their fist at God. And they don't humble themselves. They don't get closer to him. <clears throat> so, 13. For the people turneth not unto him that smiteth them, neither do they seek the Lord of hosts. Therefore the Lord will cut off Israel, head and tail, branch and rush, in one day. Now, that's a, what, one of the things I like to do is when I see something like this, look here. Okay, See that where it says one day? I About a week ago, I looked up all of the scriptures that had one day. Not the word one and the word day, but it had one day in line there. There was about eight to 11 of them, as I recall. Some very interesting things. But here's the thing. When it says one day, I discovered that almost without exception, it's talking about the day of the Lord. Now, understanding when it says one day, it's talking about the day of the Lord. Let's go back and read that again. We'll start at verse 13. For the people turneth not unto him. That's talking about the day of the Lord. As in the day of Armageddon, as in the Feast of Trumpets, as in the days when the Russians and all of her buddies come down to attack Israel. For the Lord cut, uh, people turneth not unto him to smite them, neither do they seek the Lord of hosts. Therefore the Lord will cut off from Israel head and tail, Branch and rush in one day. The ancient and honorable, he is the head. The prophet that teacheth lies, he is the tail. Now, did you get that? That's actually important. Let me show you. So the ancient is talking about the older people in society. The wise ones. The ancient and the honorable. Now, we talk about honorable like judges and things like that. And that's true. But it's also talking about people that are old in age and wise, and they're the people that a society should be listening to. But he says, the ancient and the honorable, he is the head. So in the society, the ancient and the honorable, they are the ones that are the society should be listening to. But the prophet that teaches lies, he is the tail. Now, notice it didn't say they don't make it in. It says he is the tail. I remember Howard Pittman was a pastor and he had a vein in his heart. Actually, excuse me, an artery in his heart break. And with every beat of his heart, it was pumping the blood out of his veins, arteries, into his chest cavity. And he went into the hospital and he said, as they were rolling me in the hospital, he said, I came out of my body. And he said, there was an angel there to greet me. And he turned to the angel. He says, I want to talk to God. He said, talk. He's listening. <laughs> he, he said, he took me before the pearly gates. He said, I looked up those pearly gates. 
And he said, and then when you're out of your body, you can what seems like here forever. And it seems like you can see forever. It's just amazing. He said, but I looked up trying to see the top of those pearly gates and I could not see the top. And he said, so as I'm in front of the pearly gates, he said, like Hezekiah, I'd like to ask for 15 more years. And there was nothing. And then he said, as you know, I'm a pastor, da, 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 da. Next thing he knows, he can't get his face off of the ground. And the father's talking to him. And he said, your religion is dead. All your works are all burned up. He said, you can go into heaven now, but you will lose all of your rewards. He went on to tell him some other things he was to go back and to tell them if he chose to go back. And he said, yes, he chose to go back. And he came back with a different point of view. A lot of times, see, Daniel 12, 4 says, and he that turns many to righteousness shall shine as the stars forever. So I assume that the more people we win to the Lord, the brighter our eternal body is. So however that works. But it's saying here, the prophet that teaches lies, he's the tail. In other words, kind of like Howard Pittman, he might still get in, but he'll lose all of his rewards because he's not teaching the truth. And that's the reason I, and I believe you do too, endeavor to try to, to teach truth. When we teach, we try to teach truth. And if I'm wrong, I ask the Lord to show me I'm wrong. Okay, let's go on. For the leaders of this people cause them to err. A lot of pastors, in my opinion, are not teaching the truth. My opinion, they're teaching Oh, you don't have to worry about all that stuff, that end time stuff. You know, well, Jesus is going to come to the sky and he's going to pull us off the earth. We don't have to go through any trouble. Well, how does that get people prepared for hard times? For the leaders of the people cause them to err, and they that are led of them are destroyed. Uh, you can almost write pre trib right next to them. Therefore, the Lord shall have no joy in their young men. Neither shall he have mercy on their fatherless and widows. Wow. That's a pretty big curse. That's a big curse for the prophet that teaches lies, for the leaders that cause the people to err. Big curse. The Lord shall have no joy in the young men. Neither shall the mercy on their, have mercy on their fatherless and widows. For everyone that is a hypocrite and an evildoer, and every mouth speaketh folly. For all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. For wickedness burneth as the fire. It shall devour the briars and the thorns. Once again, he's referring to, see this one day here? Okay, This is talking about the day of the Lord. All of this talk about the day of the Lord. It's talking about how he judges people. So he burns with fire. That's the morning star. It, as lightning shineth even out of the east and of the west, so all shows shall the coming of the Son of Man be. That's what it's talking about. It shall devour the briars and the thorns and shall kindle in the thickets of the forest, and they shall mount up like the lifting of smoke. In other words, they're burned up. Through the wrath of the Lord of hosts is the land darkened. Well, that happens, as I said earlier today, in the fourth vial, the sun gets seven times hotter, Isaiah 30, verse 26. And then in the fifth, sixth, and seventh, the sun is out, 
And when it goes out, it never relaxes. Because when Jesus returns, he dissolves the sun, the moon, and the stars. There is only the earth. He makes a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Through the wrath of the Lord of hosts is the land darkened, and the people shall be as fuel of the fire. Did you know a human body can burn? There have been cases to where people died and it wasn't kindled by like you know a cigarette on fire or something. Their body just started burning. Strange thing. But the body can burn. People shall be as fuel of fire. No man shall spare his brother. He shall snatch on the right hand and be hungry. And he shall eat on the left hand and they shall not be satisfied. They shall eat every man the flesh of his own arm. So he's saying in the day of the Lord, by that time, those last days, and this is especially after when the sun's been out for three days, because as soon as that sun goes out, I mean, the earth starts getting cold really fast. And that's the reason it says, and great hail, every stone about the weight of a talent, which is about 75 pounds. So try to imagine all of the water in the atmosphere all falls out of the atmosphere all around the globe. I'm going to guess hailstones about 75 pounds, anywhere from 6 to 10 foot deep, all around the globe. And there's no more sea. That's what we're talking about. Hmm. Verse 21. Manasseh, Ephraim, and Ephraim Manasseh, and they shall together be against Judah. For all this his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. What are them that decree unrighteous decrees, like we have right now in America, and that right grievous, which they have prescribed, to turn aside the needy from judgment, in other words, not help the needy, not help the poor, and to take away the right from the poor of my people, that widows may be their prey, and that they may rob the fatherless. You want to be blessed? You want to be blessed. There's a scripture that says, if you bless the fatherless, the homeless, the poor, then God promises to repay. That's, that's a very good place to, to, to help those people that can't help themselves, that cannot repay. And what will we do in the day of visitation? That's the day of the Lord. And in the desolation which shall come from far, to whom you flee for help. And where will you leave your glory? Without me shall... They shall bow down under the prisoners. They shall fall under the slain. For all this his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. Now let's go to Isaiah 10, 5. Judgment on arrogant Assyria. Now, in the Old Testament, the Antichrist is called the Assyrian. O Assyrian, the rod of mine anger and the staff in their hand is my indignation. What? Is this saying that he sinned the Antichrist? Revelation 13 says, And it was given him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power is given him to continue 40 and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and them to dwell in heaven. But the point is, who gave him that mouth? God. A mouth speaking great things. That's not good things. So God specifically gives the Antichrist the ability to be a great orator. Now, he doesn't say good things. He says very, very bad things. 
Why? Because look at it like this. Look at it from God's point of view. Okay, so for 2,000 years, God has offered a free gift to mankind, to all people on earth, a free gift to have their sins washed away, to have eternal life with him. All they have to do is reach out and take that free gift. At least that's the start. And what has the world done? The world has snubbed its nose at it, turned their turned their head. So at some point, God is saying, okay, you don't want my free gift. You don't want the blood of my son to wash your sins away. You prefer to have the Antichrist. You prefer to have the devil. Okay, I'll give you the devil. So for three and a half years, the last three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation, he gives the world what they want. He gives them a mouth speaking great things. He gives them the Antichrist. Why? Because they resisted, they refused, they turned their back on the blood of Jesus. You want the devil? I'll give you the devil. You won't like him. That's what he's talking about. Oh, Assyrian, the rod of my anger and the staff of their hand is my indignation. Almost without exception, anytime you see this word here, indignation, especially when you see indignation and anger together in the same scripture, that is almost always talking about the day of the Lord. Matter of fact, <coughs> if we have time, it doesn't look like we will. But that would be an interesting study for us to go through and look up every scripture in the King James that has the word indignation. You would find out it is almost always talking about the day of the Lord. Same thing with one day. Oh, it's here in the rod of my anger, the staff of their hand is my indignation. I will send him against a hypocritical nation. Whoa. America? And against the people of my wrath, will I give him charge to take the spoil, to take a prey, and to turn them down like the mire of streets. To take a spoil, to take a prey, to turn thine hand against the desolate places that are now inhabited. That's straight out of Jeremiah 50, 51, I believe it is. To tread them down like the mire of the streets. Howbeit he meaneth not so, neither doth his heart think so. But it is in his heart to destroy and cut off nations, not a few. That's the Antichrist. So what this is talking about the Antichrist? For he saith, are not my princes altogether kings? Is not Calno and Carmish? Is not Hamath as Arpad? Is not Samaria as Damascus? You'd have to look up all of those and read all about them to understand what that sentence is talking about. As my hand hath found the kingdoms of the idols, and whose graven images did excel them of Jerusalem and of Samaria, shall I not, as I have done unto Samaria and her idols, so do to Jerusalem and her idols? Wherefore it shall come to pass that when the Lord hath performed his whole work upon Mount Zion and Jerusalem, what's the whole work? That's when he's returned and he's burned up all of the wood, the hay, the stubble, all of the tares. Destroyed all of the evil. So when the Lord hath performed his whole work upon Mount Zion and upon Jerusalem, I will punish the fruit of the stout heart of the king of Assyria and the glory of his high looks. So what he's saying is, first, I destroy all of the sin on the earth. Well, all right, remember the scriptures that, I don't know, maybe we should turn there. 
I saw the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet, which wrought miracles before them with which he had deceived them that had re received the mark and, and, and worshipped his image. These both were cast into the lake, burned with fire and brimstone. This is the second death. These both were cast into the lake, burning with fire and brimstone. And the remnant were slain by the sword of him that sat on the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. That's what it's talking about there. It's talking about when Jesus returns, first he destroys the earth and the people on the earth. Then he takes the beast and the false prophet and they're tossed into the lake that burns the fire and brimstone, but they don't get sold out. Matter of fact, there are four groups of people after everything is said and done. The people whose names are in the book of life that get eternal life. Those people whose names are not in the book of life and they're tossed into the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. And the beast, the false prophet, and then later Lucifer and those people that take the mark of the beast. The people that take the mark of the beast are tossed into there and they do not get sold out. There is no hope of escape. They are burned and tormented for all eternity, the Bible says, day and night. Now, what does torment mean? So if you can imagine, maybe you burned your finger, or maybe you got burned someplace, try to imagine that same kind of pain all over your whole body. That's torment. Only they're tormented with fire and brimstone for all eternity with no hope of escape. So whatever you do, do not take that mark of the beast. Do not do it. Don't do it. Okay, so now let's go on. Uh, let's see. Verse 12. Now I'm going to reread verse 12. Wherefore it shall come to pass, that when the Lord hath performed his whole work upon Mount Zion and Jerusalem, I will punish the fruit of the stout heart of the king of Assyria, that's the Antichrist, and the glory of his high looks. For he saith, by the strength of my hand, I have done it. And by my wisdom, for I am prudent, and I have removed the bounds of the people. Okay, by, by peace he will destroy many, and he will divide the land for gain, straight out of Daniel. For I am prudent, I have removed the bounds of the people, and have robbed their treasures, and I have put down the inhabitants like a valiant man. And my hand hath found as a nest the riches of the people, and as one gather, gathereth eggs that are left, have I gathered all the earth. That's right, he does. He gathers all the earth to go down to attack Israel. That's Armageddon. He thinks that's his idea, but that's not his idea. That's God's idea. It's God's idea for them to form a new world order. For God has put in their hearts to fulfill his will and degree and to give their kingdom unto the beasts until the words of God should be fulfilled. Revelation 17. For my hand hath found as a nest of riches of the people. As one gathereth eggs. I read that. Let me finish reading. And as one gathereth eggs are left, and I have gathered the earth, and there was none that moved the wing, or opened the mouth, or peeped. So that's the Antichrist and his arrogance. Shall the axe boast itself against him heweth, that heweth therewith? So he's saying, see, this the Antichrist saying, look, by my power, I done all this. I took all the riches of the people. I destroyed all this. I did all this. I did all this. And then the Lord says, so can the axe control the person that made it or swings it? No. 
or shall the saw magnify itself against him that shakes it? As if the rod shall shake itself against them that lifted it up. Or as if the staff shall lift up itself as if it were no wood. Therefore shall the Lord, the Lord of hosts, send among his, his fat ones leanness. In other words, he's trying to get them to repent and turn to him. And under his glory, he shall kindle a fire. Excuse me. Under his glory. Glory, that's the morning star. Under his glory. I lost my place here. Under his glory, he shall kindle a burning like the burning of a fire. That's the morning star. And the light of Israel shall be for a fire, and his holy one for the flame, and shall burn and devour his thorns and briars in one day. That's Armageddon. And shall consume the glory of his forest and of his fruitful field, both soul and body. There's your scripture that says the morning star. Remember the two witnesses? And these are my two witnesses. They shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks stand before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth. There it is. Fire proceedeth out of the mouth and devoureth their enemies. If anyone hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. That's what it's talking about. The light of Israel shall be for a fire, his holy one for a flame. He shall burn and devour his thorns, or the wood hand the stubble, his briars in one day, and shall consume the glory of his forest and his, his fruitful field, both soul and body, destroying both. And that shall be as when a standard bearer fainteth. They just drop like a wet noodle. And the rest of the trees of his forest shall be few, that a child may write them. Meaning the ones that escape that burning are few. And it shall come to pass in that day that the remnant of Israel and such as are escaped out of the house of Jacob shall no more again stay upon him that smote them, but shall stay upon the Lord, the Holy One of Israel in truth. The remnant shall return. What's he talking about? Yes, every Jew returns to Israel before Armageddon. But then after that, Jesus sees to it. That's when he sends his angels out, the four winds of heaven, to gather his elect unto the new Jerusalem. So there's a bunch of people that still need to come to Israel because in Israel is where the new Jerusalem comes down that is this golden city, about 250 miles square, that sets down just south of Jerusalem. Study for another day. And the Verse 21, And the remnant shall return, even the remnant of Jacob, unto the mighty God. For though thy people, Israel, shall be as the sand of the sea, yet a remnant of them shall return. The consumption decreed shall overflow with righteousness. So there it is saying again, I'll be a bunch of people. And I believe it's not just Jews. I believe it's also Christians. A lot of Christians are going to return to Israel. Matter of fact, that's one of the things I've, I've talked about it before. One of the things I want to do is to buy an airline and fly Christians and Jews to Israel for the last days. We will see how that all works out, though. The Lord of God himself, oh, excuse me, the Lord of God of hosts shall make a consumption that's a burning even determined in the midst of all the land. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of hosts, O my people that dwellest in Zion, 
Be not afraid of the Assyrian or the Antichrist. That's who he's talking about. He shall smite thee with a rod and shall lift up his staff against thee after the manner of Egypt. For yet a little while, and the indignation, that's Armageddon, the indignation shall cease, and mine anger in their destruction. And the Lord of hosts shall stir up a scourge for him, <coughs> according to the slaughter of Midian at the rock of Oreb. And as his rod upon the sea, shall, so shall he lift it up after the manner of Egypt. And it shall come to pass on that day that his burden shall be taken away from off his shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. So he's saying that he destroys the Antichrist. He has come to Atha. He has passed to Migran. At Mikmash, he hath laid up his carriages. Had spent some time researching that to understand what he's saying there. They are gone over the passage. They have taken up their lodging at Geba. Ramah is afraid. Gibeah and Saul is fled. Lift up thy voice, O daughter of Gollum. Cause it to be heard unto Laish, O poor Anathoth. Madmenah is removed. The inhabitants of Gibeah gather themselves to flee. As yet shall he remain at Nob that day. He shall shake his hand against the mount of the daughter of Zion, the hill of Jerusalem. Behold, the, day, the Lord... Again, behold the Lord of the Lord. Behold the Lord, the Lord of hosts, shall lop the bow with terror, and the high ones of stature shall be hewn down. That's Armageddon, and the haughty shall be humbled, and he shall cut down the thickets of the forest with iron, and Lebanon shall fall by a mighty one. Okay, let's see, let's see, let's see here. Okay, well. I guess there wasn't any questions. Let me see if I got a text here. Okay. All right. Here we go. No questions tonight. All right. Well, then let me wrap this up. First of all, we have uh, probably in the ballpark 150 people online. And hopefully we have another 1,500 that can watch it here in the next week or so. But I believe that there's going to come a time when these Bible studies really, really speak to a lot of people. A lot of very, very important information we ran across tonight. And I know you're probably thinking, yeah, well, you know, you probably chose this. You can talk about Bible prophecy. Well, actually, I didn't. We started last week with with uh, Isaiah 1. We only did three chapters. But tonight we got through the rest of them. We did seven chapters tonight up to what well, we start next week at chapter 11, I believe, was where we were. Right? Ah, well, I'll look over there in a minute. Anyway. <clears throat> so, in closing, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I ask that you sink your word deep in our heart, in our spirit. Help us remember your words. Help us to walk clean and uprightly before you, to be pleasing in your sight. And Lord, like Isaiah did, tonight, Lord, we raise our hand in the spirit and we say, Lord, here am I. 
send me. Send me out to serve you. Send me out to serve your people. And let us all hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name, amen. And also, this is our month. We do this once a year where we're asking everybody to, um, to support us. Our goal is $77,000. We want to get $77,000 in donations so that we can have more outreach, so we can advertise. Now, you may be thinking, yeah, well, Stan, you're on social media. It doesn't cost anything beyond social media. Yeah, but then it doesn't mean anybody's going to hear you either. So if you want to be heard, you got to advertise. What we've done is set up a budget between $2,000 and $7,000 a month to advertise on the various platforms we're on so that more people can hear us. And so if God has blessed you and you can help us between now and the first of the year, now would be a really, really good time to help us. Our goal is 77000 I know a lot of ministries will ask for a specific amount. Can you send us $5, $10, maybe $20? But I believe there's some people watching, and it would not be impossible for you to write a check for 10000 There probably is a few people watching that could donate the whole 77000 and so what I would suggest you do is listen here. In, in here, what, what is the Lord? Not here. Not here. Don't think about it. Don't try to hear. Here, in, in your heart. What is he saying in your heart to give? Because you can't outgive God. You can't. You can't outgive God. And by the way, just so you know, your prophecy club, we give. I probably would shock you with just the amount that we've given in the last 10 days. It would shock you. Um, why? Because I believe the Lord. Why? Because I've tested the Lord. Why? Because, well, here, I'll tell you the little story. So this was back in probably 1998. At the time, we were trying to expand onto TV. So I know that if you want a bean, you don't plant a potato. You want a bean, you plant a bean. And what we're wanting is television. So I decided to send off a pretty large amount. It was, it was a scary large amount. And I sent it to three different television ministries. And I only heard back from one of the three, but that didn't matter. But about two weeks later, here comes this large donation. And it was the largest donation we had had at the Prophecy Club at the time. And I called the guy and thanked him. Here a couple of months later, here comes another large donation, same amount. And um, I'll tell you the first digit was a two. It was a big one. And after this happened two or three times, I called him. And I said, you know, I, I'm, I don't know how to ask this, but what do you do for a living? <laughs> how, how can you give such big donations? He said, well, it's not what I do for a living. He said, I made a bet with the Lord and I lost. Huh? He said, I bet the Lord that I could outgive him. And I, so I set my heart to outgive him. I was going to basically bankrupt myself giving. I was going to prove to him that I could outgive him. And he said, I lost. I lost. I lost big time. <laughs> so... I thought, you know, I admire that. Matter of fact, that's one of my goals 
is to outgive the Lord. I want to go to my grave being broke or just pretty close to broke, having given it a lot of money away because I love the Lord. And I ask him to speak to my heart here, what to give. And sometimes I've given and I try not to let the right hand know what the left hand does. Most of the time I will consult with Leslie, but a few times I haven't. And a few times Leslie walks in and says, you gay what? I said, the Lord told me. I remember I called one guy one time and I said, okay, so this is the wiring instructions to your account, right? He said, yeah. Why do you ask? Because I'm sending you. And he was shocked. He said, how did you know? I said, I know because the Lord told me. Because if your heart is to try to get ahead by being tight-fisted, you're never getting ahead. But if your heart is to build the kingdom of God, to do what he says you for you to do in here, if your heart is first after the Lord, then he will raise you up. You can't outgive God. So here's what I suggest you do. And it doesn't even have to be the prophecy club. Just say, Lord, show me someplace here in the next week that you want me to give. Show me somebody. And by the way, it doesn't have to be a whole lot of money. Sometimes you're filling up at a gas station. Probably had this happen. And there's someone there desperate. I need to thank a gas to get home. So maybe it's 20 bucks, you know. Maybe it's not much. But he speaks here. Speaks to your heart. So right now, if he's speaking to your heart, give. And by the way, if you haven't given in a while, if you're not like a very, very big giver, then I hate to say this. Don't expect him to speak to you. You kind of got to like catch up on past payments <laughs> before he starts speaking to you like that. And I, I and sad to say, a lot of times you got to give and 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 give. And, you know, you start wondering, Lord, are you watching? But then when you finally forget about him and you're just giving and giving and giving and giving, and all of a sudden, whoa, that's a big one. Where'd that come from? And well, I know what you're thinking. Oh, yeah, well, Stan, you're in the ministry. I understand people give to you. No, no, no. You don't understand. If you think the only ones in the ministry are the only ones that God can bless, you're wrong. If you do not know that God can cause blessings to come into your life that you did not know of, you did not ask for, you would have never dreamed it would have come from that direction, then in you are in for a treat because I'll assure you, I will assure you, he will bless you. I say this because I hope that you discover the joy of giving. I hope you discover that you can't outgive God. Matter of fact, since you you've you've you stayed with me this long. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to do something. I'm gonna ask you <clears throat> to pray a prayer. Say, Lord, 
Show me someone that is hurting so bad that when I give to this person, the amount you tell me to give, they'll cry. They're hurting so bad that when I give to them, whatever the amount is, whatever the thing is, that they'll cry. It'll break your heart. And by the way, God will break your heart. He will change you. And you will begin to discover the joy of giving. Ask him to show you. If I haven't made somebody cry lately, I start asking him, Lord, matter of fact, I'll pray. Lord, show me someone to give to that is so desperate, hurting so badly, that when I give the amount you tell me to give, it'll make them cry in Jesus' name. Will you do it? Do you believe God that much? Okay, so enough. I'm going to go spend the rest of my evening relaxing. God bless you. Thank you for watching.